In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Today we've heard about the greatest virtue capable in all of the universe. That is, the virtue of love. Now maybe that is striking your ears a little funny because we've just heard words that can be kind of fearful, shake us to our bones because of the command of our Lord is so exalted and above what we normally think what we can, are capable of doing. Namely to love our enemies. And really, this is the whole point. That we are to act with the same type of power as God acts. And indeed, this is how the reading closes, to act and mercy as our Lord is merciful to us. But let's take a step back and see where is this reading placed. It's right at the very end of a portion of what's called the Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel according to St. Luke. And it's there just before, if you were to open up your Bibles and read in the verses before in Luke chapter 6, where our Lord is explaining and teaching on wealth and about God's providence. This portion that we have heard, though it may sound odd to our ears, is actually his answer to the mindset of pursuing wealth and worrying about tomorrow. But Christ isn't preaching here about not working hard. He isn't preaching about just sort of letting things slide on by. Rather, he gives us a higher bar. What he is preaching against is not in the old times when honest pagans were about. There was a god of wealth. In Syria, he was called Mammon. You hear him throughout don't worship mammon. And in Greece, it was the god Pluto. So if you wanted to get rich, you would go and give your worship to these gods. And so our Lord is directly placing himself and his Father in heaven as the one who provides. He's the one who is due worship. But he gives us sort of a different way than we think of as worship by giving us the command and changing what seems natural to us, and we'll get to that in a moment, and raising the bar to the virtue of God, the power of God, to love our enemies, even as he loved his enemies and gave his life for even them. So Christ is rather directing us through this command to seek first the kingdom of God, to live a life that is steeped, in worship, and a life steeped in sacrifice to him. So it's a radically different way of life that he is calling us to. By loving our neighbors and even our enemies, we are given a great promise that we can become sons of the Most High. A life of worship of the true God is worship of the God who is love, who is merciful, who is compassionate, who is kind to even the enemies. So Christ, what does he begin? How does this gospel begin? He takes something that in our world, even to this day, seems already very exalted. Christ takes something that the fathers actually say is 
an innate good of all of humanity, an innately good desire, and that's the desire for fair treatment, to be fair. It's one of the first things little children, when they make a complaint, but that's not fair, right? As soon as they can. That's not fair, mom and dad, or that's not fair way to play with their, their schoolmates or their playmates. And that's an innate part that the church is recognizing and the fathers talk about that our Lord is beginning from. The desire for fairness that is beautiful and in the formulation that our Lord gives, even it's very condensed. St. Gregory Palamas even says every good deed is contained in that phrase that we call the golden rule. So our Lord begins with those words. As you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. It's a rule of fairness, right? And we kind of hold that up as the baseline of what a good person does. They treat others fairly. But St. Gregory Palamas frames that golden rule as the demonstration of God's eternal law that is placed within us, in each human being. It's there. It can't be taken out. But this is how God created us from the very beginning. It's part of what it means to be a human being part of our human nature, in other words. And from the beginning, we are to act in fairness toward each other. We can ask ourselves, he says, would I want this done to me? And the answer that arises immediately, if it's a no, then you know that that's a, prohibi a, a prohibition against that action. It's self-evident. This is why it is such a beautiful formulation from our Lord. St. Gregory Palamas says this about the golden rule. It is a natural impulse in all of us to want to be loved and well-treated by others as much as by ourselves. The will to do good and to be well-disposed towards all as we are towards ourselves is therefore also inborn in us. We were all made in the image of him who is good. Then when sin entered and multiplied, it did not extinguish our self-love since it was not at all opposed to that but it cooled down love for one another. So the crown of virtues changed it and rendered it useless. And that's what our Lord ends up doing. He begins with this rule of fairness, the golden rule, but then he immediately begins to break down that rule, showing how it's insufficient for those who are to follow in his footsteps. In other words, when we sin, it became difficult even to treat people in fairness and it became that natural ability became hard to accomplish for one another. St. Gregory Palma says it cooled down within us. But this beautiful aspect of ourselves that isn't there, that isn't, isn't sufficient because it falls short for a very, very important reason. It's only connected, we could say, on the horizontal plane the plane of this earth, of our earthly relationships one with another. It's merely a human thing. What is missing is the fullness of what it means to be a human being, and that is to be connected with God. It's missing, you could say, the vertical plane, the connection with God. And so Christ spends this time showing how this isn't enough. The golden rule is not enough, even how beautiful its formulation is. So Christ in this passage shows its limits and how it breaks apart and how 
even sinners do the golden rule. They do good to others whom they naturally love or whom they naturally will benefit from. So it's not sufficient. Self-love is not enough, you could say. However, we are called toward more than that. We are called toward a love of God. And when we are called in God's love toward that God who is love, we grow in a likeness to him. And that is the point of where our Lord ends with that fearful and beautiful formulation to love your enemies. He affirms the golden rule, but he also shows that you can't become like God just leaving it there. By following his way that far, it's not enough. You need to go further. And he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Because this is how our Lord loves us. He gave and expected no equal amount in turn because that's impossible. He loved us even when we had nothing to give back to him. But he gave. St. Nikolai in his beautiful homily on this day gives us an image and has these words and then gives us an image that I want us to contemplate and bring home. He says this, Christ is greater than the forgiving of insults. For the forgiving of insults is only the first half of the road to God. But to perform works of mercy is the second half of that road. So there's a practical, a very physical thing to do. We are the other half of the road, to use St. Nikolai's words, is to perform works of mercy. When we love somebody, we do something for them and we expect nothing in return. Because this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, when he goes further and says to love your enemies, that's the real test of love. Do we give for the benefit of the other and expect nothing in return? Or do we give and expect maybe a little back? If, our, if they are truly our enemies, we won't get anything in return. So this is the real test of love. St. Nikolai continues further on saying that God, this aspect of God and his love, God does not wait for men to deserve the sun's warmth. Only then command the sun to shine. Or does he first act out of his charity and out of his love? Charity is an active virtue, not a passive one. God has made this clear from the foundation of the world. From day to day since the world began, the Lord has, with his gracious hand, poured our rich gifts to all his creatures. Were he to wait for his creatures to first give him something, neither the world nor a single creature in it would exist. So the act of love, in other words, is one where we take the first step. We don't wait for somebody to come to us and then Perhaps if they say the right words or come with the right disposition, then we give, or then we love, then we bring them in. No. This is why our Lord says, love your enemies, for even sinners act according to the golden rule. But those who are to follow Christ, they love their enemies. And by loving our enemies and lending when we expect nothing in return, we grow in our likeness to God. That's the whole point of the Christian life. 
is to become more and more like God, in whose image we are made, which is Jesus Christ, and how he acted. Love, we can see by Christ's word here, has shown the limits of the golden rule. It is not about a feeling towards someone, but how we treat them regardless of how they treat us back. Love is doing what is good for the person, whoever they may be, a neighbor, a friend, a family, and even an enemy, someone who works against the good things in our lives. Love is giving to others a benefit that allows them to draw close to God. That's what we're called to do. That is what true mercy and true charity are. That is truly loving someone or a person, whoever the person is in front of us, like our God, Jesus Christ, loves them. And when we act this way, it doesn't just end that way. Go and do this and nothing. Our Lord goes even further and gives even more. He says in his promise, that if we act in this way, to love our enemies and lend and give nothing in return, that we'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, he says, even as your Father is merciful. So when we act in this way, we become sons not just by adoption, by our baptisms or anything, but how we act, and when we act in the virtue like this Christ-like virtue here of charity and of mercy, which really are just love enacted, we become sons of his heavenly Father in truth, in experience. That's what is given to us. So dear ones, this is a great and beautiful way our Lord is showing to us. Yes, it is also somewhat fearful and hard on the level of human strength to love those that work against us, who we might name as our enemies, that do not desire what is good. It is hard only with our human strength, but we don't work on the level of mere flesh and blood, that horizontal plane of things of the earth. We have that vertical dimension in our life, the path of grace of our Lord that he paved into our lives. So love your enemies our Lord commands today. And with this command, he also gives us the grace to accomplish it. It is good to be fair, but to love those that strive and work against and hate us, that is the thing that God enables in us as we strive to become formed in his image. And when we want to be like God, then we must do as he did. For while we are as yet sinners, Christ died for us, it says in Romans to save us from our broken and fallen selves, unable to give back. We are called to love all, regardless of what they think of us or how they treat us. Each day will bring with it an opportunity to love. However someone treats us, we all have the little times, those times we're waiting in line, probably those times we're driving around on the freeway, and each day we have that choice. Someone will come across our path who is difficult. Love them. Open a pathway to our God for them. Love them as Christ loves them. This is our time to grow in our likeness to God. Love your enemies, our Lord says, and you will be sons of the Most High. May each of us 
as the time comes in the little ways of each day, or in perhaps one day the great way, when real enemies rise up, may we love without hesitation and be named by such, as such by our Father, sons of the Most High, who is in heaven. Amen.